So again, here we are, midway through winter, the year 2018, and to the casual observer, it might appear as if the world is actually falling apart. We have a presidential administration that has apparently been in crisis since before the inauguration. Our already vulnerable environment is beset on all sides by disastrous business practices and public policy. We have a rise in hate crimes, crimes against our lesbian, gay, bisexual, and gender fabulous siblings. Anti-Muslim and anti-immigrant sentiment is on the rise and deadly school shootings are becoming the norm rather than the horrific exception. Those 17 souls lost this week in Florida, compounded with the countless others lost to violence in this country of late, speak to the gravity of our situation and ultimately to the sanctity of our call. But it is impossible not to feel, at, at least at times, not to feel helpless. It is impossible at least at, at times, not to despair. In times as dire as these, we seek comfort, we seek hope, even when hope is hard to find. But ours is a faith based in the one single premise of hope. And I remember a couple years ago hearing Reverend Dr. Bill Schultz speak at one of our uh, Unitarian Universalist Association General Assemblies. Now, for those of you who don't know, Reverend Schultz is a Unitarian Universalist minister. He was president of the Unitarian Universalist Association from 1985 until 1993. And then he was executive director of Amnesty International for more than a decade. Uh, prior, just prior to his taking over the leadership of our own Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. And while he was with Amnesty International, he confronted the human rights abuses in the Bosnian genocide, as well as in Kosovo, several years later, and is to this day recognized as one of the world's leading experts on the use and effects of torture. Now, by the time I encountered Dr. Schultz, he was uh, incoming head of the UUSC, the service committee, and we were marching together against Sheriff Joe Arpaio's inhumane tent city detention complex in Arizona. I actually mentioned this last week. In his report to our General Assembly, he spoke of the very despair that some of us might, might be feeling right now. Paraphrasing his thoughts, he, he communicated that during those years he spent working at Amnesty, he rose every day thinking about all the people in the world who were being, were about to be, or have just been tortured, and what he would do to prevent it from happening further. He would go to sleep with the same thoughts each night, and of his own admission, it was sometimes difficult to bear. All people have limitations. All people need respite, need rest. No person can fight for the justice we so desperately need alone, nor all the time. 
And this is why, as Bill Schultz would remind us, we create and sustain institutions. Now, there are many types of institutions, of course, many organizations that people have created. We have our government, for better or worse, our business sector, our nonprofit institutions and religious organizations, such as this one. We also have bowling leagues and fantasy football leagues and book clubs. We have libraries and municipal beaches. We are awash, it would seem, in institutions. But there is some fundamental need that Dr. Schultz is identifying that we have neither the energy nor the power to affect change alone. It takes a bunch of us together, all working toward a common goal, to affect any lasting positive change at all. Ultimately, Bill was able to go to sleep and rest every night, despite the ongoing evil of torture and human servitude in the world, because he was able to trust the institution that he was a part of to continue the work even when he himself could not. Now, our, our theme for this year's stewardship is simply be the change. And this is a reference to a larger, longer quote about social justice commitment, often recited as be the change you wish to see in the world. Has anyone heard this before? Raise your hand if you've heard it before. Do you know to whom it is attributed? Gandhi. Gandhi, yes. Kind of. <laughs> it's the originator of this quote, though it has changed a bit in translation and republication. Purportedly, he originally stated, quote, if we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a person changes his own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards him. We need not wait to see what others do, end quote. And there's another kind of origin story about this quote. I, I don't know if this is true, but um, it comes up a couple different times when you're reading about Gandhi, so it might be true. It's a good story anyway. It has Gandhi receiving people who wish to learn from his teachings. And a, a mother approaches him with her young son in tow and asks Gandhi to counsel her son on the evils of sugar. Gandhi politely dismisses them and asks them to return in two weeks. And when they do, Gandhi admits that at the time of the original request, he was eating sugar. <laughs> and so he needed two weeks to clear it from his system before, before he felt he could counsel anyone else. Be the change. Now Gandhi was, of course, one of the greatest nonviolent leaders our world has ever known. Was himself a huge influence on uh, Dr. King and in turn our own American civil rights movement. And incidentally, it should be a source of pride for all of us Unitarian Universalists that Gandhi was inspired in nonviolent direct action by Tolstoy, who had learned it and the concept of civil disobedience from one of our own, the Unitarian transcendentalist educator and philosopher, Henry David Thoreau. In fact, Dr. King first encountered the works of Thoreau through Gandhi's writings which heavily cite him in general and the seminal social justice essay 
on civil disobedience in particular. And Gandhi, King, Thoreau, and even Schultz would agree that the real change happens only when individuals can change their own mindset without collective action and institutional support. This change is at best fleeting. As it takes a village to raise a child, it too takes a congregation, a mosque, a synagogue, or better yet, a collection, a collection of religious institutions to affect the moral landscape of our world. We've heard this morning how Bradford UU has engaged internally in the study and confrontation of white supremacy and xenophobia, and how our congregation has engaged in public witness through Cush and interfaith efforts to, among others, and gun violence in Kenosha. We, along with numerous other Kenosha area faith communities, have supported the Shalom Center from its inception and are active advocates for the several different populations of homeless in our city. This church, something we didn't mention, this church family helped create the Kenosha Pride Parade in support of the LGBT community and its allies. And several of our founding members, such as B. Lundgren, who's right in the front here, uh, were instrumental in bringing Planned Parenthood to Kenosha. We are visible leaders in the environmental justice movement, recognizing years, perhaps even decades, before other faith communities, the devastating impact of exploitative energy practices, unchecked pollution, and irresponsible waste management, and are currently advocating for recycling services to be expanded to Kenosha's public spaces and events. Just a few weeks ago, I was joined by Bradford UU members and representatives of Cush clergy to publicly affirm the inherent worth and dignity of all people, even those currently incarcerated, in direct contrast to the comments of our own Kenosha County Sheriff, David Beth. And the list goes on and on. None of these initiatives could happen without our institutions supporting the change of individuals. None of these things could progress without collective communal support. And that, that, my friends, is why we have institutions such as Bradford Community Church, Unitarian Universalist. Yes, running this church and providing this space for all of us agents of change does cost money. As we saw in Jeff's presentation, our Pledge drive accounts for over 80% of our annual budget. So we do need your money, don't get me wrong, but more than anything, we need your commitment. Your contributions of time, your support. For all of us who cannot afford to increase our pledge, the requested 10%, let's find ways we can increase our involvement our contributions of time and talent by at least that much. For those of us who can afford to give more money than we are asked, we are encouraged to think not only about the commitment of our bank accounts, but of our physical and spiritual selves as well. And for those of us who despair, for those of us who are not optimistic about what the next days, months, and years will bring 
might we be comforted by the hope that is inherent in our faith, which instructs us that love is the source and destination of all things, and that our greatest purpose in life is to give that life purpose through continual growth, continual commitment to justice, and continual acts of love one after another. So as you leave today, we encourage you to pick up your pledge cards, again available in the back of the sanctuary, and to consider your physical and financial commitment to Bradford UU as an important institution which helps us all truly be the change. We couldn't do it without the church, and this church certainly couldn't do it without all of us. May it be so. Blessed be.